Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. Um, One of the most exciting things that we've been talking about is that we are very soon moving to a platform called Patreon. So you will still have free access to Coffee with the Sarlows, but we are going to have a tiered program or tiered membership where you can buy into the different level of tools that you're wanting to commit to. So we're going to be amping up our game like tenfold. Mm -hmm. You'll have video, audio, Um, written tools that you can print out, Mm -hmm. questions that you can work with, behind the scenes stuff, like it's endless. Mm -hmm. And of course, bloopers, because our faces. (laughs) Right? No, your face. Oh. (laughs) Um, So we'll keep you up to date on that uh, as that kind of develops. Okay. Kelly and I do personal sessions. So if you're looking for a personal session, we do FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, and telephone all over the world. Um, The sessions are just as accurate and just as meaningful if you're in person or using any of the devices. And you can go to the website by sarlo.com to fill out a request form. And then whoever you select will get back to you to set up your appointment. Okay. And while you're at the website, you can also check out our Evening with Medium events coming up. We've got August 23rd Mm -hmm. this month, finally. And we've got December 13th on sale as well this year. Mm -hmm. Tickets are still available, so you can head over to the website and purchase them there. Sips of Sanity is a second podcast series that Kelly and I have. It's going to be available at Patreon. And it is 10-minute to 12-minute shows. There's five the first week of each month. We put the shows up so that you can develop and create an emotional or spiritual intelligence toolkit. And that the purpose of that, of course, is to help you live the life that you actually want to be in. Mm-hmm. And when we move over to the Patreon platform, you'll still have access to the first show of Sips of Sanity each month. And then you can sort of decide from there if that's enough, if that's what you were looking for. And if you do want to dive further into it, then you can check out uh, what we've got laid out for you. Okay. Okay, so you've got your notes. We're starting today's show. Let's go. Okay. All right. Um, So today's show, again, is guided by the spirit guides telling me me what to do. (laughs) I say that jokingly and lovingly, of course. Um, Kelly, it's a story I think we've talked about on other podcast shows. I think you're going to, hopefully, if you remember that, you can tell people what show, eh? Um, It begins with a dream that I had one night in the summer a few years ago, uh, where in the dream, I remember being in the water and a man falls off of a boat into the water. And I watch him struggle in the dream with his belt. He's trying For some reason, he's trying to get a belt off. But I remember looking at him thinking, he's in deep water. This isn't shallow. And he has no life jacket. So I just remember being in the dream watching this, and then somehow, you know how dreams are all out of sequence? Mm -hmm. I just remember being above, so not being in the water anymore, but being above it, and I could see an island, and you know how in dreams you just have knowings. Mm -hmm. So I knew that this was where we live, in this area. So I knew that, remember that. And of course, like when I wake up the next morning, I can remember specific things about the dream. And then I'm back in the water and he's struggling. And then he's not struggling. So it was like, oh, I remember thinking, oh, you died. (laughs) It's so hard sometimes to be like, yeah, we're super respectful of death. (laughs) Okay. When it's just so 
like every day for us. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I just remember in the dream thinking, oh, he's died. And you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to people just saying, you know, like it flippantly, but I just remember it being simple and that it's not complicated in the dreams to to know that mm-hmm. and not be emotional or scared yeah. like what tv shows like a you know horror or anything i'm in the water oh my god wasn't she scared mm-hmm. no well i think what i was trying to say in lesser words is that there isn't really an emotion that accompanies it there's more of just a factualness to it yeah. where it's like oh, okay here we go and we can accept it versus when it's your loved one oh yeah you do have your emotions and that you're supposed to Yes. But when we present it or we experience it, it's just looking for the right information. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Kelly, like I remember thinking, okay, so he's died in the water. It's out by an island. He's got blue jeans on and a t-shirt. He's clean shaven. He looks like he's my age, mid fifties to late fifties, early sixties, that, that area. Well, it's hard to know, eh? But I just remembered thinking, All of these things, like I'm processing something in this dream. And I don't know if everybody else would say, well, that's weird. I don't recall processing things in a dream, like trying to remember them for when I'm awake. Yeah, but but I am. Yeah. So remember in the dream, being in the water, floating with him, and then thinking, right, so he's died. And I remembered that I had to know that so that if I wake up and the next day somebody calls and says, where is he? He died. I have to remember it. So it's like with emphasis. It's for memory. Mm-hmm. So I wake up the next morning, the phone rings, and or like right after I woke up, I'm still in bed. And a woman says to me, Karen, it's, oh, I better make up a name. Louise. It's Louise. Um, I need to talk to you. It's an emergency. And I'm in bed. And I pick up my cell, or I'm holding onto the cell phone, and I said to Louise, Louise, is this about a missing person? And she goes, yes. And I said, okay. And she goes, is it too early? And I'm like, no, no. You're late. I think I just dreamt all of this. And mm-hmm. she goes, okay. Now, she knows of us, so she understands this. I'm not having to start from scratch with somebody. So she goes, well, could you just tell me then? Could you just tell me what you know? And I said, well, are you calling about an ex-husband? And she goes, yep. And I said, um, missing in the water by, like on Lake Nipissing, but like by the islands or something, like because there's an island where he's missing. Yes. She goes, where is he, Karen? And I said, he's dead. And then it's just like, just, Total silence. Mm -hmm. And then my thinking is, what do I remember about the dream again? Right. He's clean shaven. He's my age. He's got blue jeans. He's got a t-shirt. There's no life jacket. He had a belt on. He's struggling. Right. Because then everything that was in the dream are the things that I really have to remember. And he's dead is important because... Now she wants to know, well, is he missing? Did he make it to an island? Did he did he hold on to the boat? Like, what happened? And the other affirmations are what you can confidently use to say, I know he's not alive. Yes, this is the best of my ability. I'm going to tell you everything from the dream as accurately as I can, which is why I'm in the water and not sitting on a boat. 
And then they show me once I'm awake that there was another person in the boat. But she doesn't end up in the water the same way as him. She has a life jacket on and she can make it to shore. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference here. There's only, as far as I can see, there's either just one life jacket or the boat turned over before he got to the life jacket and can't find it. Mm -hmm. Because he's struggling trying to take some things off. I think he was trying to take his jeans off and his boots so as not to sink. Mm -hmm. Because I'm watching him sink quickly in the dream, right? Because of everything he's wearing. That's why all of that was super important. So I describe all of this to her, and she goes, okay. And she just, in those moments, accepts whatever is coming out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And she says, all right then. So if he's dead, what does he want to tell me? Just like that. And I said to her, go be with your daughter. And I said, is that correct? There's a daughter? And she goes, yeah. And I said, is it correct that there's no one else? Like there's, there are no other children? And she goes, yeah, that's right. So now I'm going with the fact that as he's telling me all of these things, okay, if all of the rest of this is correct, it's a, you guys are divorced, yep. He's got a new partner, yep. Okay, then I feel confident in all of this or more confident, right? Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I was going to say, because like, there's only confidence to a degree until you really get all the affirmations from the police. Mm -hmm. So he says to me, Karen, I want you to tell my ex-wife to be with our daughter when she finds out. And I'm like, well, when's that going to be? Because that's also important. Mm -hmm. They may never find the body. And he goes by 10 o'clock this morning. And Whoa. I'm like, what? So he goes, no, it's going to be this morning. Like they're going to retrieve my body immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy poop. Okay. So I told her, I said, he wants you to get over to your daughter's house immediately. She's going to find out this morning before 10 o'clock that her dad has passed, and he wants you to be there with her for this. So she goes, okay. And I'm like, okay, good luck. That's it. Hung up. Rolled out of bed. Got in the shower. Later that day, she phones and says, it's Louise. And I'm like, Louise, are you Okay. And she goes, they found his body. He drowned. It's You're correct. And I'm like, I am so sorry to hear all of this. What can I do for you? And she says, um, we want to come in and see you. And I'm like, okay. Oh, I just have goosebumps. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, when? And she goes, now, like as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. And she goes, Karen, is it okay with the spirit world? If we come in to talk to him before any services, any like anything, or do we have to wait? And I'm like, no, get your ass in here. Mm -hmm. So I said, we'll just find a time. If it's my lunch hour, whatever, you're going to come in with your daughter. Well, they came immediately. So they come in to see a medium. The day of, they find out that he's passed. And they sat down in the room, and now I know why they're there. So we just go through consent quickly. And then they're both sitting there, and they go, what does he have to say? That's it. What does he have to say? And I said, so, dude, like, what have you got to say? Like, what the hell? And he goes, well, the first thing I have to say is that I love them. And I said, oh. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, you're going to have to work harder than that. Mm -hmm. You're not getting past me with I love you shit. Like, you got to do better. And he goes, oh, 
I'm, I'm new. Okay. And I said, no, you have to give me the things like the prove it stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just going to say, oh, I love you. Anybody could tell them that shit. You got to work here. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, I didn't have a life jacket on. I said, yeah, I know. I watched you. And he's like, what? I said, I was in the water with you. I watched you in my dream. And he goes, can I talk to you about that later? <laughs> I'm like, yes. But right now we got to talk about these two. And he goes, I, I have to tell my daughter and my ex-wife that I'm so sorry. There was no life jacket. We had one in the boat. And I'm like, you had one life jacket and you went out to an island across Lake Nipissing, which is a massive lake. And it is deep. Like, and he goes, uh, like, like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, okay, sorry, go on. I said, I- I'll say it. And he goes, I want them to know I'm sorry. And I said, what else? And he goes, I'm sorry that I was irresponsible. I'm sorry. And he goes, please tell my wife I was always irresponsible. It's why she freaking left me. And I'm like, oh my God. And he goes, and now it's right to the point that my irresponsibility causes my own death. And I could have caused another person's death. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, so there was a woman in the boat. And he goes, yeah, my partner. I'm like, okay, but she made it to shore? And he goes, yes. Like, okay. So now I can offer all of this to the two people in the room, his ex-wife and his daughter, and they can confirm these things for me. So I can get my, you know, that... Sigh of of relief. Yeah, that we dream these things for a reason. Even though I wake up, and my physiotherapist tells me I've clenched my pelvic muscles. <laughs> and off we go to the pelvic physio. Yeah, you people cost us a lot more than you think. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so they he gave me the affirmations. The family gave me the affirmations. And he says, I need to tell them both that I'm so sorry. And that it goes so much deeper than just not wearing the life jacket that it went into how I raised my daughter and that I didn't, that I just farted around, that I avoided it. That's why my wife left. She felt that it was better to parent on her own than to parent with somebody that was trashing everything she was trying. And I'm like, good for you. And I said, okay. So I told her all of that. And she sat there and she she acknowledged it and felt sad. Mm -hmm. She goes, this is the first time that I'm hearing that he's even aware of that. Because when I confronted him, He lied to me. He pretended he didn't even know that he was doing these things. And I said, okay. So then he continues and says to me, Karen, my daughter and I weren't talking. She stopped talking to me for the very same reasons as my wife. And he says, but I didn't let anybody in the family know that. I made it look like she was a bitch. I said, your ex-wife was the bitch or your daughter? He goes, both. And I'm like, you threw both of them under the bus? because of your own behavior? And he went, yep. And I went, okay, I will tell them that. So I told them that. And as I'm saying that, they hold hands. And there's just this silence in the room of daughter understanding mom, mom understanding daughter. So important. Well, yeah, because you both have an opportunity to sit there and know that you weren't crazy and know that as much as it was 
hard and hurtful to be on the same side, you were. Yeah. And the same side is very isolated. And he purposely isolated both of them. Mm -hmm. So then he says, Karen, he says, you have to tell my daughter that she's not going to be included in any of the funeral arrangements. I made sure that my, my new partner and everybody that I know blamed my daughter for not talking to me instead of understanding that I was a dick of a dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So I said that to her, to the daughter, and she looked at me, and she went, okay. And then she cried. And I said, does this make sense to you? And she goes, oh, absolutely. She goes, I have a hard time talking to anybody in my dad's family. And she says, and his girlfriend doesn't like me, and I don't like her. And she goes, but I don't like her, not really because I know her, but just because I don't like my dad's behavior, so I'm just keeping my distance. And I said, okay. And he goes, I need for her to know that I'm so sorry that she's not even not going to be included in anything. And he says, and I don't have a will. And I'm like, this just gets worse and worse. And he goes, yeah, it's why they're here and it's why I have to say it all. I I need them to hear it from me because otherwise she's going to hear it from my my current partner, and she's not going to say it nice because I've made her hate her. Okay? So I explain that. And she goes, okay, thank you for telling me. Mm-hmm. And he says, please tell my ex-wife and my daughter that I would like for them when they want, and if they want to, because boy, do I ever understand if they don't want to, that if they want to celebrate my life at some point when they're not mad at me, that I would be there if they want me to be there. And I'm like, this is turning. This is getting a little bit better. And he goes, please tell them. And I'm like, okay. So I relayed that message. And they both looked at each other and said, okay, I like that. We don't have to go to a celebration of life that someone else dictates. We are going to create our own. And I thought, what a great, great moment that was Mm -hmm. for them to be able to figure that out on their own. And in time when they want to, when they're ready to, instead of he's died and we have to within the next week. Because we, well, we do that, right? Mm -hmm. Quite often, and not everybody, but it gave them choices. And they could invite who they want. Or it could just be the three of them. So he's saying to them, I promise to be there. And his daughter says to me, how would I know? How would I know my dad's going to be there? Do you mind if I ask how I would know? And I said, let me ask him. So he says to me, well, he says, if I was to continue to be a jerk, I'd be a snake and scare them. And I'm like, oh my word. He goes, but you could say that because that would be my sense of humor. And they're at the point they can handle a little humor right now because this is really shitty. And I said, okay, I can throw in the humor, but give me the real message. And he says, well, he says, when they, it's going to be outdoors, Karen. He says, they may struggle with the idea of going back to water because I drowned. But he says, I actually would like to be back at water. And they're going, they're going to know that. So they're going to bring me there. But I would like it to be a field. And there are going to be flowers in the field. And he says, so I'm going to say it's going to be a field of yellow flowers. And they may not know that in advance. They may pick their location and not remember about the flowers. Or by the time they come there in two years or five years, they'll be there. And I'm like, okay, what kind? He goes, I don't know what they're called, but they're tiny yellow ones. And I'm like, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know flowers by name either, so that that's fine. That'll be specific enough. So we gave the messages. Then he told them he loved them because we went through a process where they were able to trust me and they were able to trust that he was coming through. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then there are other things to it. Like he said to his daughter, I, I know you're still in school. And she was like, yeah, that's correct. I'm in university. So there were the other little things that helped them build the rapport. So now, after building rapport, we finish the session, and the two of them thank me and leave. And we have a we have a hug. We have a we have a little cry, and they go. Now I'm leaving. That that's the end of a story. And now I'm going to another client's story, and it's another um, another death. Um, where a family calls again and says that they have lost somebody in their family, um, but that this is an emergency. And so whenever, you know, whenever that kind of call comes in, you know that it's recent. And they asked if they could make an appointment immediately. So I said yes. And a group arrived, and this is a, a family that is Aboriginal. And I think there were... This is a while ago. So I think there were four or five people in the family. There are parents and siblings. I just can't remember how many siblings came. But they came in and sat down. Again, we go through consent. And um, we know why they're there. So there's, there's a recent passing, but that's all I know. And so a spirit comes in, and it's a young male. And he says to me, I'm who they're looking for. I passed. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, what are you holding there, sweetie? And he shows me a rope. And I said, oh, okay. I said, so this is suicide and you hung yourself? And he goes, yes. And I said, okay. I said, are you okay? And he goes, yeah. And I said, are you better than okay? And he goes, yeah. Like this. I said, are you kind of like elated? And he goes, yes. And I said, okay, because you're looking like super relaxed and happy. And he goes, I am. And I said, oh, and I see somebody's with you. And he goes, yes. And I said, so you have a dog with you? (laughs) He goes, yeah. And I said, I see you've got some spirit guys with you, and I see a grandmother. And he goes, yes. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, I'm going to write that all down. So I just doodle that quickly on my page. I remember this one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I, I say to the mom and dad, so I understand that you've lost a son. Yeah. And I said, and if I'm correct, this is suicide. Yes. And I said, and it would be by hanging. And he goes, yeah. And I said, so first thing I have to tell you is that he's just freaking elated. And they're like, what? And the heads come up. And I said, he's so relieved. He's so happy. And he's got his dog and his grandma. He's so happy. And you just see so much anxiety and stress just gone. It's like pulling the air out of a float. So I turned to the young man and I said, do you have more things to tell them? And he goes, yeah. He goes, "Um, I'm good. I want to talk to you. So I said, okay, I'm going to tell everything to your family. And he goes, yeah, I heard about you too. (laughs) right? <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm glad that you did. And he goes, I heard that you go, you two, you and your daughter will give people messages. 
And I, he goes, I heard about this on earth when I was on earth. Oh. And he goes, and, and I just thought it was really cool. And he goes, but I kind of like, yeah, I didn't really believe in it. And I said, so what's it like? And he goes, all I can tell you is how relieved I am that they said this was for real shit. Mm-hmm. And that I could actually get down here and talk to you guys and like I just died. And I'm like, yes. And he goes, and that you guys don't follow belief systems of cultures. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well said. And he goes, like, you're not, you're not gonna block me. And I went, Oh, is this relevant? And he goes, Well, for sure. He goes, because we have a belief in our culture that you can't interrupt them on their journey. And that you have to wait a period of time. And I think he had said that they had believed that it was a year. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. I said, so do you want me to bring that up? And he goes, you have to. You have to, because even though they're here and they want to hear from me, they're going to really struggle when they leave. They'll be in the moment and absorb it all. And then they'll go back and bottle themselves up because my community will come at them. And I'm like, that's terrible. And he goes, oh, yeah, but it's what humans do, right? And I'm like, that's still terrible. So I said this to them. I said, you have a belief system, and I don't want to cross your belief systems, so I have to check in with you that I'm not crossing boundaries. But you have a belief that you can't connect with a person who's crossed over within a time frame. And they said, that's correct. And I said, but you're here. And we can prove that he's here, so are you okay with this, even though it's outside your belief system? And I just remembered them saying, yeah, because at this point, Kelly, who gives a rat's ass about a belief system? Well, they showed up. Like, that's not you crossing a belief system. That's them deciding that it didn't work for them. That's what I mean by who gives a rat's ass about the belief system. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, when it's you and it's your own pain, you're the one that has to make that decision. I'm going to continue to believe in it and suffer, or I'm going to do what I need to for me. I'm going to do what I need to for my children or my wife or my family. Mm-hmm. And even if it, even if they didn't know that it was possible, I, w- I want to outline this well, and I'm really struggling mm-hmm. about how to do this in my brain. If that was their belief system, but they really were able to think critically and go, yeah, we bought into this belief, but we're not actually certain that this is so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out and ask someone a question to see what's possible. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's pretty cool. As mm-hmm. opposed to, I'm buying into this. I can't afford to think critically. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask if anything else is mm-hmm. possible. I accept suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for bringing all of that up and pointing that out. Mm. So I said to him, uh, what do you need to say, sweetie? And he goes, well, he goes, I need to say that I'm okay. Dad, how are you? And I'm like, just like that? Like exactly those words? I just repeated the question to his dad and said, your son is simply saying to me word for word, dad, I'm okay. How are you? Just like that. And he goes, yeah, okay. And and doesn't say too much. He's very quiet. But I come to understand later in the session that that was significant because that was a thing between the two of them. That was a check-in they did for each other. So he was doing a check-in with his dad after he passes away. I thought that was really significant. It's like you can still continue to be cared for Mm. when someone crosses over. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we go into shock over is that that 
their caring for us comes to an end. And he was trying to say, no, no, please let my dad know that didn't come to an end today. I didn't choose that to end. Sometimes I don't know where to go with it, Kelly, because in in the moment, there's so much emotionally that's being processed that it's hard to say everything for people who are listening to the shows, eh? Mm -hmm. And we have to trust that they're using their imagination and their empathy and their own sense of compassion to really understand what somebody is getting out of a message like that. Yes, because in a session, by the time, I want to start over, by the time Mm -hmm. it gets to a podcast show, it's so watered down. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, there's like a thousand things happening all at once in our heads Mm -hmm. where we're getting all the information. What's delivered to the client is then watered down because you can't get all of those things out at once. Mm. You're trying to keep up with the guides. You're trying to keep up with the spirits that are giving you messages. Mm -hmm. And you actually have to pick from like a slew of things in front of you and hope that that's going to be significant. Mm -hmm. So of maybe 50 things, you deliver two in a minute. Mm -hmm. And then to get to the podcast show, you're trying to actually remember at least one of those two things almost every minute Mm -hmm. and put it into an hour and explain the lessons Yeah, and explain the significance that the client would have already given you. So it's it's quite a big process to actually relay how remarkable a session is. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because I think it is lost on the clients, even though they're appreciative and understand as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And then I think even more is lost on listeners, even though they tune in and they're excited and they think mm-hmm. they're maximizing everything and that's not anyone at fault. Yeah. And and you know, when you, when you say something like that, I think about, like he gave that message to his dad, but then there are siblings and a mom in the room going, what's he saying to me? Mm-hmm. What, what do you, what, what, what's he going to say to me now? Mm-hmm. And and you're sitting there going, ah. <laughs> Wasn't done with dad. Yeah. I have to finish speaking to dad, but everybody wants something because it's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Meaningful, accurate, that's going to personal, that's going to be spot on, that has something that I wouldn't know. And that's why you can't give the I love you, I'm okay without all the other information. So we, we moved on. Everyone got their stuff. So I'm just going to kind of wrap that up in that way to make a couple of points. And then the whole point, truly, of telling the two stories today is to try and be able to give people reasons why people book a session before the funeral. Mm -hmm. Why they come right away instead of thinking, like by some religions or some cultures or some standards by TV or movies or your girlfriend group. You know, a g- girlfriends can advise you when you're supposed to go. So I'm just saying that it's super important for people to make the decision themselves. And that if they come sooner than later, then a variety of things can occur for you. And I hope that people heard these shows today and are able to sit back and go, yeah, I heard that you can check in on them. I heard that you can hear that they're okay and that they're not still in the lake drowning, that they're not still hanging, that they're not still suffering. So their relief is that instant 
so that by the time I hear the news of what they went through, it's already over for them. Long over. Yeah, and but we don't all see it that way when we hear of how they died. We go instantly into the horror of what that would have been like, and we can stay stuck in the imagination of it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that people can get by seeing a medium sooner than later. They can check in. They can hear how they're making out. That can reduce your anxiety. That can reduce your stress right there when you hear that, those two things, right? So if that's someone that's close to you and you're going in to check in with the medium, imagine reducing your anxiety before a wake, before a funeral, before seeing all of the people in front of you, before trying to go to sleep. Because I think of how many people will try to go to sleep and won't be able to for all the images that you see, mm-hmm. for all of the things that you are going to imagine, and, and how horrifying all of that could be, how disturbing and upsetting. And instead, if you get to know that they're okay, that maybe you're still going to miss them and that there's still shock, but that you might go back to that session with a medium and think, yeah, but they're not going through that. They're okay. Yeah, you can go through grief without trauma. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, that's huge. You can get your questions answered. So if you want to say something, like each of those family members and all of those two families could sit there and say to you or I, well, what about this? Well, why didn't he have his life jacket on? Well, why? And that's when he said, because I was irresponsible. Mm -hmm. There is no damn good reason why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because for another family... The affirmation might have been, I didn't realize that one of the life jackets fell out in the boathouse. And they may get Mm -hmm. their affirmation when they go into the boathouse and see a life jacket on the ground. Yeah. So the, all of the information is significant. Yeah. So to hear the truth, Mm -hmm. I think too, Kelly, in the case where um, the dad came in to say to his daughter, you're not going to be invited to the funeral. I think to hear that up front and then not expect to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It allows you to anticipate better. Yeah, and it allows you to have a few moments to process it, maybe get in the car with mom and have a cry over it or be mad about it and talk it through. But to be able to think in order to know how you want to respond Mm -hmm. instead of, as many families will experience, absolute blow-ups or blow-outs with the family because people don't give themselves the opportunity to think in their grief. Lovely. So when this, when his girlfriend will call and say, you're not invited, she can just sort of sit there like, like I already knew, like you're not, you're, so the, is that what you mean? Like the effect is not going to sting. Well, and she might not lash out. She might not get irrational and make a scene mm, or right. do anything that she might not feel was appropriate after the fact. No, oh, I like what you're saying. You can respond appropriately. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you respond with anger, but it is articulated instead of explosive, then you may be able to be more productive. Yeah. And I think in this case too, where this daughter can think, yeah, I know I'm not invited to your service. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm having my own. Yeah. Right? So she's already got a plan of action to go through her own grieving process And what somebody else is doing, she could just respect and say, sure, you go ahead and do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to share with her that she's got her own. It just allows her to gain her own sense of control, I think, over the situation, Mm -hmm. instead of feeling very victimized by the girlfriend. Mm -hmm. 
right? And then staying in the grief of her dad because of the relationship with the girlfriend. Right. Yeah, okay. She can exit both of those situations. Right. Then she doesn't have to go into being angry with dad about that particular issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. I think something else that they can get to in this process of coming sooner than later is the apology that they need. And I think that that might be key. In an accident or, you know, in this case with the dad, the apology right off the bat, but maybe also for parents and siblings of someone who's taken their own life and they don't understand the why. And they just need to know, are they sorry? Do they regret it? And it might be, yeah, I regret hurting you, but I don't regret what I did for me. And, and that can be a form of relief if you know they don't regret it and they are content with their decision. Yeah. And yeah, because that can also lead them into a whole conversation about the why of it, right? Mm -hmm. Where the family can sit back and understand and go, yeah, we knew that. Yeah, we get that. Mm -hmm. Yes, this was never going to be, you know, a never ending thing or there was no help or whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. They can come to the whole reality of it instead of what we can do sometimes when someone passes and we fantasize that they could have got better. Mm -hmm. We fantasize or we hope that, well, it, it could have changed if they had stayed alive. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't know that. And I call it the fantasy or the hope just because our heads want to go there, but it's torturous to go there. Mm -hmm. So instead of just being in the present moment, which is what I think this does, it can bring them into the present moment so that they don't do all of the what-ifs. And punish themselves. What if I had found him? What if I had known? What if I had just spoken to him for 10 more minutes? Right? Mm -hmm. What if I had just picked up on the way he said something this morning? I kind of knew. And instead, you can move past all of that to understand that if they're related, they're relieved. This is what they planned. This is okay. They've all, they're already moving on. That you don't have to sit back and go, what do you mean they're already moving on? No, they're already moving on. Instead of creating the fantasy that they're not, and then staying in our own agony. So what it can do is it can certainly allow us to see they're not in agony. So maybe we lessen our own. Mm -hmm. And I say lessen it because I don't want to take away from what grief is. Well, thank you for sharing. The podcasts have definitely taken a different format in the last little bit, mm -hmm. just tying some stories together mm -hmm. um, to drive home some different points or the same point. Yeah. Which is That's good. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Well, if people have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, enjoy your Saturday. We have brand new episodes of Sips of Sanity out on Monday morning.